Welcome to the Meditation Ward. My name is Nadia Ward, and I'm really excited to bring you this podcast. I talk to a lot of meditation practitioners about their practice and what led them into meditation and what keeps them there. I hope you enjoy it. Each week, we have a second episode where you get a guided meditation. So you can come back and use those whenever you need them, and they're there for you. Are you interested in starting your own meditation practice? Check out TheMeditationWar.com, where I offer a six-week program to work with you one-on-one to teach you meditation tools and to help you find a practice that works for you and your lifestyle. I'm also a health and wellness coach certified through Georgetown University. So if you're interested in wellness coaching through a meditative perspective, I'd love to talk to you more about that. Contact me at TheMeditationWar.com or find us on Instagram, The Meditation Ward. And now our episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Meditation Ward. My name is Nadia, and I am thrilled to bring you Carly Gray today. Carly Gray, aka Mama Bird, is a certified trauma-informed life coach and breathwork facilitator specializing with an emphasis on trauma release and inner child healing. She has turned her life's trauma into triumph by healing and helping other women do the same. Her personal and coaching philosophy is grow through what you go through. I love that, Carly. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Grow through what you go through is something that came from my and my best friend's conversations when we were under the impression that it was a quarter life crisis we were going through, not a spiritual awakening. (laughs) Oh, wow. What made you think it was a quarter life crisis? We just were questioning everything that we believed. We were questioning everything we've been told. We were questioning our conditioning. And so that really led us to, you know, having these deep in-depth conversations just about everything in life, what you wanna be, the future, the past, the present, and how to bring yourself to a space of enjoyment in the present, present, no matter what you've been through in your past. And so there was birth growth through what you go through. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's really great to be able to have friends that are on the same page Mm -hmm. that want to do that kind of like searching and talking through things. It's really important to have those relationships in life. Yeah, I think it's necessary in our evolution and our elevation unless you're in a space of stagnance, which so often we do become in a space of stagnance. But if you're not willing to change that, not willing to question how you've gotten in that space or how you desire to get out, then, you know, you're stuck. You can't, you have to be able to grow through what you go through and be able to question those things and have those deep conversations as well as the accountability that it entails. Yeah. So you're a mother of two. Yes. Yes. I have two beautiful boys, 
Um, we also would have lost our second actually late into my pregnancy, which that is something that I strongly advocate for and love to share my story about. Yeah. Um, what you can please share. Yeah. So, um, back in 2018, I would have been six months pregnant when we lost the baby. Um, basically throughout that pregnancy, I wasn't getting adequate prenatal care. And because I was at a point where I was still uncomfortable speaking up for my rights and speaking up for my being, um, I didn't demand ultrasounds, which we would have known sooner that we were going to lose the baby had we had ultrasounds earlier in the pregnancy. But I wasn't given an ultrasound until I was 20 weeks. And that's when they baby had no amniotic fluid. I had um, complications as far as the growth because no amniotic fluid and I had blood clots. And all of this, like I said, could have been discovered if I had just really advocated for myself, which is why I'm so strong about sharing this story so that women know to like, if you're not getting prenatal, like the proper care anywhere, actually, if there's something you desire, you have to speak up about it to be in a safe space. And you have to also feel safe to speak up about these things. And then you didn't lose him. No, so we did. We lost him. Um, that was 20 weeks. We had the ultrasound and immediately they said, um, you're going to have to make a decision, basically, if you want to continue the pregnancy in hopes that you will physically make it to 25 weeks because I was at risk of hemorrhaging and um, losing my life as well. Or were we going to have an abortion in order to save my life? And my husband and I deliberated. We sat with the decision and made it together um, to go forward with having an abortion so that we could continue to raise the child that we already had together. Since this was my second pregnancy, my youngest would have been about two and a half, three years old at the time. And so I was concerned with being his mother and being there for him um, and seeing him grow up as well as being with my husband, having this family, having this family union uh, to be able to just continue. And so when I knew my life was at risk, it was a hard decision, but we made it. And thankfully we now have that rainbow baby who we are so grateful for. And I just learned so much through that experience. You know, I think as a trauma-informed coach, I see these things that I grow, go, grow through <laughs> that, um, that they are sent to me for a reason. I'm sent through these experiences for a reason. And I can certainly say that any life-altering experience that I've had as hard as it is, and as much as I may get in the the depths of pain over it, you know, I don't know if you know the Lundrell song. Um, he's an artist, a spiritual artist, and he has a song called Great Depression. And it says, my pain is my greatest blessing. 
And that's sort of the way I see it, because if we can see what we're going through, we can feel all of that pain and then take a lesson out of it to share with the world. It's amazing because that is literally how my coaching was birthed was I was thinking to myself one day, like if I could just change one woman's life out of what I've learned from losing my child, from losing family. I mean, when we lost that baby, we also would have lost my husband's father, as well as a very close family friend, all back to back. And so going through that was like such a trying time and a time of my questioning a higher power. What is the purpose of all this? Why are you putting through putting us through this? Why are we feeling all of this pain? And now when I look back on it, it was all for a reason, as well as the connection that my husband and I were able to form deeper because we're helping each other heal through what we're going through in life. We're able to be vulnerable in that way, which is so important for couples. Like there's so many people out here that don't feel comfortable speaking to their significant other about what they're going through or what's really paining them inside. So to be able to form and and continue to have that space together, it grows the relationship. And I mean, we've been together for 13 years, so I don't know if that's a testimony of like communication works. Like it is key to be able to speak to each other vulnerably and completely honestly, as well as with anyone else. Yeah. I did not expect that beginning to this podcast, but I really appreciate that beautiful share. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I mean, it's, and you know what, it's funny because I didn't expect to share that either. Um, but it's something that just came up and with most things in life lately, I see these things come up and I'm like, all right, there's a reason. So there's someone that the medicine is to be shared with is what I see it as. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so how did you, how did you get to the space of being a breathwork facilitator and a coach? You mentioned that, you know, the loss of your um, son was partially a catalyst, but who were you before, you know, and how did this happen? <laughs> I really love that question, actually, because one day, <laughs> Um, one day I was sitting on my phone, scrolling Instagram, right? And I don't even remember actually what my name used to be before Mama Bird Gray on Instagram, but I had this really weird urge to change my name. I was like, I just want to come off as someone completely new. I just want to be the Carly that I've always wanted to be and not allow anyone's opinions, anyone's thoughts or or what they have to say to me about what I want to do. I don't want that to hold me back anymore. And I was like, Mama Bird Gray, what? Okay, let's just type it in for the name change. And I did it. And now here we are. That was... 2019, I think I did that. And ironically, Mama Bird Coaching, Mama Bird Gray Coaching would have birthed in 2021. So it's funny how everything kind of led up, like you said, with um, us losing the child, that was really a catalyst. And 
then I was just like, how could I use that to make someone else's life easier, to give someone a blueprint of how you can gracefully get through that pain? Because that's what I needed. And with books like Layla Dahlia, Vibrate Higher, Higher Daily, um, a lot of musical artists, Londrell was a big one. I listened to so many of his meditations and realized the benefit that it provided me and how good I felt. And even though like sometimes I would be like in, in big, ugly tears and my husband would be like, babe, are you okay? Like, are you sure you should be reading this and listening to this? And I'm like, babe, these are tears and things that have not been processed for years. This is stuff that has been held inside of me for so long. So I had to get that out. And when I realized, you know, I had a journal that I kept through this healing and I would write down things that I was doing daily and how long I would do them, my water I was drinking, just random stuff. And I was like, I could use this and give it to someone. You could basically have this to see how I got through my pain with, I mean, somatic movement and breath work and meditation, and I could help you heal. And then that's when I started working through, um, I just started with women's healing circles. It was as simple as healing circles. It started with monthly full moon circles. And then I was seeing all these coaches with programs. And I was like, I could, I could turn that journal into a program. And that's literally what I did. <laughs> that's incredible. Like everything yeah. was falling into place before you even knew what you Insane, were doing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful how the universe works like that. And then when you get the chance to look back on these things, you're like, oh, wow. It yeah. was really all connected. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate hearing that too, because I started the meditation ward not knowing what the meditation ward was. You know, wow. it was like, I was doing this, yeah. I was going through coaching, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And now it's coaching, it's a podcast and it's Reiki and a meditation course I created, but I still kind of don't know exactly what it is. I don't think it's done growing and like figuring itself completely out yet. I'm just like exploring it as it happens. And so it's really like awesome to hear that that's similar to your experience and that, yeah. Yeah. And I want to say, this is funny that you're saying that because a friend and I were just speaking earlier because she's starting something of her own, which she doesn't even know what it is yet, but it's blue is what she calls it. And she was, she posted on Instagram the other day. I'll have to send it to you later because I know you'll get inspired. And she was like, you know, sometimes you don't even know what you're starting. You just have to start. And then the blueprint comes along the way. And then once you have birthed whatever it is you were birthing, you look back and you're like, oh my goodness, I was literally living the blueprint. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. are the living blueprint. And I love what um, just exploring the podcast episodes and your website before we came on, like, I love what you're creating and the fact that you know, we as women felt comfortable to just go out on a limb and birth a vision, 
like you said, you didn't even know what it was. That's how I was. I was like, Mama Bird Gray? Okay, that's the new Instagram name. And that's yeah. how I started. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah. So um, breath work is a big part of your practice, it seems, of what you do and what you offer. Can you describe what breath work is like or the kind of breath work that you've used? Because sometimes people ask me for breath work and it'll be like yoga breathing that I'll offer, like different styles of breath. And then they'll be like, no, we wanted like this Wim Hof breath work or we wanted, um, you know, this like the 10 rounds, the big breathing and the shamanic work. And it's like, there's so many different meanings and ways of breath work yeah and you know i love that because i think as i strongly feel as a breathwork facilitator that you know seeing all the different methods i love wim hof method though by the way i love that um seeing all the different methods it really depends on your personal approach but breathwork to me, and 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 overall, it is that intentional, that mindful breath, focusing on the inhale, feeling your chest rise, feeling also the sensations it brings about over your body as you get deeper into the breath work. So for me, I really like to... I individualize all of my work. My coaching program, when you come into it, it is the eight-week release and heal program. But we have that initial sit down to talk about your trauma, to talk about your triggers. And I really get an individualized idea of how I'm going to not treat you, but guide you is what I like to use. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, in that guidance being individualized, so is the breath work. I've had many clients who cannot do the fire breath because it gets them more anxious. With the breath of fire, it's a, and it's quick, and, and so it's quick pace, and it does get your heart racing, but it's to energize you. It's to get you going for the day and get you through your day. It's a good lunchtime one. Um, but for some people that can really get your anxiety going. If you're a high energy person or sometimes highly sensitive people in general can just get very, um, a little too racy with the fire breath. And so if I notice that isn't one for you, we're going for more of a Wim Hof method where you're doing a full inhale and nice soft exhale letting your body gently guide it out as opposed to another method where we could take a deep inhale and do a forceful exhale that is a good one for deep release and for letting out that anger or heavy emotions that you've been harboring um always though the deep breathing is so good for releasing feelings and emotions that you have stored for so long because they get you breathing out of the diaphragm and into the belly, really breathing low. Yeah, I do. I think that's interesting because um, like as a yoga teacher first before a coach um, and so, like in college, I went to school for acting and singing and 
we learn how to breathe from our diaphragm. So when I did like my like singing lessons, you know, I would have to have books on my stomach to learn how to lift and lower the belly because I was breathing from the chest. And it's just like interesting that as children, you know, they try to teach us all these things, but they don't teach us about breath. They don't teach us about finances. They don't teach us about like how to calm our nervous systems. It's like these things of like breathing all the way into your belly. When I try to work with people, it can be hard to get it because they've been breathing their whole life from their chest and it's a whole other muscle. It's literally a muscle, you know? And when I, it's so funny that you say that about it being a muscle and it's, I love how, okay. Here's the thing that I love too about like arts is that we are, really intuitively guided with acting and singing as you would have said you had to learn how to breathe from your belly and it's so funny that you know it is a muscle and i like to tell my clients if you're feeling a little sore in your lower belly then you're breathing right because i've had so many where they've had to book three and four sessions over because we're really trying to unlock that deep breathing. And sometimes you're not even able to get into it on the first session. It's it's something that takes practice because like you said, we've been conditioned to breathe almost at a panicky pace. Like I'm breathing from up here, you know, that's doing too much to your heart. And with me, when I think about it, After my hospital experience in November of 2022, it really would have amplified my teaching of breath work because I had to learn to reuse my lungs again. I was in a hospital bed for 15, 16 days. And so they came in with the breathing machine and started teaching me, you know, how to really take that deep breath again and and let it just flow out. Don't force it because that's too much on your body right now, too much on your heart. And so it really taught me how to amplify my work because I was like, wow. So this is how some of my clients feel that cannot breathe out of that chest and into your belly. So I'm now able to understand at a deeper level. Once again, it tells me that I'm going through the things I'm going through for a reason, just like you. And when we're anxious, that's when we're breathing shorter. And if people are, have a lot of anxiety and they're already breathing shorter. (laughs) Basically living fire breath. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can't, you can't continue to do that to yourself because we may, here's the thing, we can subconsciously be living in chronic stress because we are always living in fight or flight. We are never allowing our nervous system enough time to just sit down and be like, and really take that deep breath and feel it throughout your body. Yeah. And that big exhale. Mm, girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. We don't exhale enough. And that's another one I love to teach is really when you here's seeing something that a lot of people don't know is when you exhale a longer breath than you inhale, you're oxygenating your blood more. And so that's going to have a more calming effect 
overall in your entire being. Yeah, it helps regulate your heart rate and yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like you're a beautiful person to work with when it comes to breath. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love it because I was just talking to um, my mentor and coach earlier, Dr. Shelly Ann Gadgeter. I don't know if you know about her, but she, her, her work is amazing and she's actually the reason and who and how I got started as Mama Bird Great Coaching. But um, we were just talking earlier about, you know, I was like, am I am I on the right path? Am I doing the right things? And just a lot of questions coming up lately. And she's like, you know, um, if you're being obedient to your work, you're being obedient to those you serve. You're being obedient to the higher power. I say you're on the right path and just continue doing what you're doing. And that is such a powerful affirmation to, to give to ourselves. You know, it's like if you see the signs and you keep seeing them and you're just like, mm, dodge it, don't look. It's 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 a disservice to everyone. It's a disservice to yourself. And essentially, yeah. God, Allah, Buddha, Krishna, whoever you believe to be your higher power it's a disservice to them because you are an extension of that yeah we are an extension of the higher power and so to see yourself and not have self-love is to see universe and not have universal love yeah Mm. i appreciate too we have so much in common i appreciate too how um you know, you have been doing this, you're professional, you have clients, yet still you tell your coach, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right place? And um, that is such an honest, like struggle because I'm feeling that way. People on the outside will tell me, what do you mean? It's so clear. Like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're here, you're helping people, you're meditating with people, you're creating this stuff. It's like, it's obvious to the people around you, which for you, I'm sure it's like from the outside, it's like, hello, duh. (laughs) But it's still a, it's still a journey on the inside. It is. It's a struggle. And I love to be vulnerable about it because I've, I'll be honest, I've had too many people come into my DM and say, my work is conceited. My work is to teach women how to be conceited or to whatever it may be. And when I see that, it's just an extension of their pain. It's just whatever you're currently going through that's hurting you and whatever reason, um, you know, there was somewhere I was going with that. (laughs) About just us knowing what people on the outside knowing usually sometimes what they want see in us, but we're still questioning at times. Yes. And it's so important to me to be vulnerable in this way because so many people look and we'll be like, oh, you you have it all figured out or you have it all this or that. The healer needs healing too. That is the most important part of my life. The healer needs healing too. Because who am I to coach and to guide women if I am not coached and guided? We always have to be the student and the teacher is what I believe. Because once you are just being the student or just being the teacher, you got to have the balance in, in being both. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always this quote too that I love. It's uh, like, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Ooh, girl. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're that learning, you're learning. Point. And then you're like, whoa, there's so much more. I thought I knew stuff. <laughs> this is so funny because I have so many moments like that, like of just, and even now when you say that, like even with meeting new people and like, talking about experiences with others or, you know, whatever it may be, you get perspective. And it's so beautiful to make these connections because so often we aren't being vulnerable. We're not making connections for whatever reason, you know. Um, but then we realize when we do, we're like, oh my gosh, that felt so good. And I gained so much. And typically the other person gained so much as well. And if it's reciprocated and <clears throat> to just be in a space of always giving and receiving is it's so important and it once again just takes me back like that is something I always have to remember especially after the hospital because I'm still healing myself I mean my memory is the last thing to really come back and I still struggle with that and so I'm always taking notes and if if I'm not allowing myself to be served the same work that I serve others, it's a disservice to everyone. Um, you have mentioned a recent hospitalization like three times now. So I'd like to follow oh. up on that, um, that you yeah. said you were in the hospital for 15, 16 days. Um, yeah. So this was um, last Thanksgiving, I started feeling like I was coming down with a cold. <clears throat> um, but unbeknownst to myself and my husband, it was the signs and symptoms of sepsis. And we did not know this. I quickly took a turnaround. Um, he came to get me out of the bed one day. I wasn't coherent. I couldn't keep my eyes straight. And my body was discolored. And he rushed me to the ER. They would have said she's in septic shock. I had 40% chance survival rate. And to the, and it's sepsis awareness month. So to be sharing this story on the podcast during this month is so important to my heart and to anybody who has been touched by sepsis or their family. Um, because <clears throat> So what you're saying is I have to get this podcast out in September. Look, girl, let's or it grow. won't be sepsis month. <laughs> so you will no longer be in early October. I will try to push you up to you be in September. What? You know what? It'll come out in divine time. It'll come out when it's supposed to come out. <laughs> but you know, it's it's crazy because like I said, we would, if we had known the symptoms of sepsis, we could have gotten me to the hospital much. I mean, before I was delusional. Who um, would, and, I mean, I would have no idea. No. The symptoms. No. Yeah. It's, and it's similar to flu. So this is why we, I, I isolated myself in my, our bedroom and my husband slept in the guest room and took care of the boys. And we were under the impression it was the flu. And like I said, I took a complete turnaround overnight and he came in the next day to check on me. And he was like, I got to get my mom here. 
and we're going to the hospital. Um, it, it was, it was such a weird experience, I think, to be at home feeling funky one day and then wake up in the hospital. I was like, what are we doing? So to spread even just the awareness of the symptoms, like fever, chills, raised heart rate. Um, and if you were to go into which I myself, I won't procrastinate on it anymore. Like if I were to feel any of these symptoms again, I would go straight into the hospital and demand blood work. If you have a raised white cell count, you know you got sepsis. You know you have some sort of infection working through you. And um, yeah, what for me, by the time I got to the hospital, it was too late. They couldn't get IVs in anywhere. So they had to go straight through my jugular. And I could have avoided so much um, physical trauma that I experienced if we had just known the signs and got to the hospital sooner. And you were in the hospital for this for like two weeks? Yeah, yeah. So I was in ICU for a week and then in the hospital for about 16 days. And by the time I got out, I had lost 13 pounds. I had to learn how to walk again. I You had to I learn had, how to fully breathe again, you mentioned. Girl, that was so tough. Um, and it's You funny, said your memory I, as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely have taken an impact on my memory. Um, it's something that I have to, have to really focus on not overstimulating myself, not taking in too many clients. I have really had to manage my workload, um, as well as manage my self-care better because I get overstimulated quicker with sounds and sights and just everything going on. So the it's 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 funny the work that I do, how I have I have a friend who um she was like, you know, I strongly feel that you were prepping for this moment and you didn't even know it. Because how is it that I'm a trauma-informed life coach who does breath work and Reiki and all of these beautiful healing modalities that I had in my tool bag already available for me. And so to be now, I focus on my talking, my speaking all the time and my breath, because at a time when I got out of the hospital, it was a couple of words, wait a few seconds, take a breath, a couple of words, wait a few seconds, and just to be able to get back to a space of feeling my breath, be able to really fill up my lungs um, is amazing. And it's something now that, you know, we would have said earlier how we're not being taught how to breathe as children, right? And so it's beautiful to teach mindful breathing, but to also live it. That's the key. We have to live what we teach. And for me, that's what it is. Like the hospital experience really amplified living my breath work because I'm always so aware of my breath. I'm always so aware of, am I breathing into the belly? And if I start to feel overstimulated, I instantly know to tap in 
get into your belly, get into a quiet space. And even if you're not into a quiet space, if you do it enough, you can train yourself to get into that quiet space mentally. And that's the most important part for me to be able to teach my clients really, as well as myself. Yeah. Um, I would guess you know, after that experience and having all those shifts happen to your body, to your mind, to, to your emotional way that you show up, yeah. I would guess that it also had to had to change the way you mother. Oh, certainly, certainly. Yeah. How how was how did that um, affect the way you mother, and how was that for your children to transition? And I'm sure you're such a beautiful mother. Oh, I appreciate you. Yeah. So it took a big, it, it's been a big hit for my mommy because, um, man, it's like being a kid again with my kids. So I really implement inner child work, um, with my clients in my program and also offer inner child one-on-one sessions. And so it's, when I first got back home, I couldn't walk. I couldn't lift my children. I, I mean, they couldn't sit on my lap because it hurt. My whole body just hurt. And so that's another thing is with sepsis, it's, it's like a complete reset. The doctor said, you're basically a newborn. He said, how does the water taste? Is it amazing? Because you have new taste buds now. (laughs) How, how does the world feel? Because it's all new. It's all new. And excuse me, that goes too for my nervous system because with sepsis and with septic shock, which I would have gone into septic shock, that is the third stage of sepsis, your nervous system completely dysregulates. So even now, eight months post-sepsis, I'm still integrating my nervous system, re-regulating it. And in a safe environment, knowing that I feel safe, um, allowing my husband to, hey, I have to be very verbal with things with my children. Um, And like I was saying, you know, when I first got home, I really couldn't do much. And so they started doing for me. And as hard as that was to accept at first, especially, I mean, it was hard to come home to my two and a half year old, like, almost like weary of me at first. Like, where have you been? And I mean, because in the hospital, I couldn't speak to them. I did once and my heart rate completely went out the roof and they were like, get off the phone, (laughs) get her off the phone. And that was when I was still in ICU. So my body was still fragile, but um, it goes to show. And here's, here's what I was leading up to. It goes to show how much our emotions affect our physical body because even in myself explaining to my sons hey mommy can't do this right now because it really hurts even that would be sometimes with laughing mommy has to shut her emotions off right now because that's what they would tell me in the hospital you I know this is hard but you can't be emotional right now because it's going to affect your your physical body it's going to affect what we're trying to treat and it is such an important message to share of be mindful what you're feeling and also allow yourself to feel it, not harbor it for it to come back up later. 
because these things will always come back up. And so for my mommy, sepsis, going through that and recovering has taught me to be a kid with my kids, to allow them to see me vulnerable, allow them to see me hurt, because how else are they going to know how to tend to someone's emotional needs, how to, they are learning through this process as well as myself. And it's so funny, like talking to my oldest son, I had a sepsis survivor support group meeting on Monday and my son on Tuesday, it was after he went to bed Monday night. And so Tuesday, when he woke up, he was like, mom, how did your meeting go with the people that had your same sickness? Aww. And I Thank you for checking in on that, Bubba. It was great. Like, and to be able to have, it further builds the connection. Because when we think of bonding with our children, we're always thinking of, of physical, typically. And so to be able to have that emotional bond and to be able to connect through communication, he has learned so much. I mean, he does meditation with me and he'll do, he'll tap into his breath work and I mean, to see my boys doing that, it's, once again, we as a family experienced that for a reason. And whether it was to bring us all closer or maybe that benefits my sons for their future. I mean, we don't know what tomorrow holds. And so to grow, grow through the process gracefully, knowing that you you love on yourself so you're gonna love on others that's the important thing and that was the most important thing in coming home recovering is love on yourself so that you can love on your children still because it it's hard it was hard and mm -hmm. for anyone going through a tough time it's hard to love on yourself so it's going to be hard to love on others and be vulnerable with others yeah. but it's the most important thing i i feel like the generation above us, like our parents, I can't speak for everyone's, but I think there is more of like a protection. It's like, I don't want to share this stuff because I need to protect them. I don't want them to see me in this kind of pain because I'm protecting them from being scared that something's happening to me or not knowing this. And I want to make sure I'm fine before I'm fully integrated back in, you know? Um, and so like you could have gone home and gone back into your room the same way you did when you thought you had the flu and said, I'm mommy's still sick. I'm not available. This is not mm -hmm. healthy for me. And it sounds like you had the conversations, the vulnerability, the kind of things that connect you more instead of protecting them so strongly that you weren't open to them to save them. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I really appreciate you sharing that because that is, and that's definitely, you know, the first thing I thought about was I could really isolate, I could really go into my own head over things while I'm healing, which some days I did. I mean, some days we struggle, but that would have been a mirror for my sons on how to handle situations as such. And it's important for me to 
if you see me crying, we're going to also, it, it, or if, if I have words with you and I'm like, hey, don't do that. Whoa, I'm sorry I raised my voice. Let me back up a second. It's always so important to repair. And so often when we're hurting or we're scared, we'll isolate and then just come back out like nothing ever happened. Don't confuse people. You have to let them know, hey, I need some alone time. I'm going through X, Y, and Z. And then you go isolate. And when you come back out, hey, thank you for my space. I really appreciate that you respected that boundary. And it it's so funny because, you know, there can there's a line to draw between mother and friend. Yes, yes, I get it. But I a gentle parent. A gentle parent as best I can, but it's important for my sons to feel like they also have a friend in me because for myself, I always had the mom that was like, look, you don't have to have friends if you don't want, I'll, I'm your best friend. You could tell me anything you want. And I truly felt like I could tell that woman anything. And so to be that for my sons, like I want to be that safe space where I don't know what you're going through, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I want you to be able to feel comfortable being like, mom, oh my gosh, I got so embarrassed at school today. This happened and now she she laughed at me or whatever it might be. It could be big or small, but we have to be that safe space for these children. And it really... <laughs> It makes me think of my mama for a great philosophy, like my way of just approaching coaching as that mama, mama energy. I want people to feel comfortable with me. Some people, I have people on Instagram message me, hey mama, and not even put the mama bird in. And so it's funny, it's amazing to just be that space for anyone. And to be that space for many, it fills my heart. <laughs> It's so incredible. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing your story. I can't believe how fast this conversation has flown. Really? Um, but I, yeah. I still have like two important questions that we can talk through for a few minutes is yeah. um, you've talked a lot about breath work and breathing with your children as well. And like the self-care, um, mm -hmm. taking time and space for yourself. But um, do you have a specific meditation practice that you do often? Or what is your practice in being like currently? of meditation or mindfulness? So for me with a two, well, almost three-year-old, he'll be three soon, a three and a seven-year-old, sometimes it's gotta be quick, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people always think of meditation and they're like, oh, I gotta set aside a time and a quiet space and I have to have this sacred space prepared or my yoga mat, whatever. For me, <clears throat> meditation is, so with breath work, you have the integrative zone of breathing, and that is just mindfully breathing while you're doing your everyday thing. And if you're able to focus and, and still breathe mindfully, that's the first step of just meditating while you're doing anything. Okay, and so then after that integrative zone, after eight minutes of breathing mindfully, you can tap into releasing from the subconscious. And for me, 
sometimes all I get is five to eight minutes before the boys come rushing in or I have to take someone to school or pick someone up. And so lately it's just been tapping in what's my heart space feeling like I'm feeling a little crowded or if I'm not feeling grounded, I take a moment to warm my hands up, put the intention of mindful energy in these hands, in this friction, put them over my heart space and take a few deep breaths and just allow myself to ground in that moment, ground in that space, wherever I am. Even if it's at the stop sign and I sit a few more minutes because no one's behind me. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's like that. Just sitting at the stop stop sign. <laughs> I love the um, rubbing your hands together to create friction and heat and then putting them on your body. I haven't um, had anyone uh, mention that as part of their practice um, yet. And so that's a really cool tool that can really help you feel connected and warm. Yes. And I have to give the props to my coach for that because that's the first thing she taught me. She said, never put cold hands over your heart. And I was like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> so we warm it up with whatever intention. And I love to do that in my breath work and in my Reiki sessions, um, any kind of energy. I mean, and, and really all the work is energetic when we think about it. Yeah. So I really love to, yeah, just create that intention. It's, it's very powerful too, for the meditation to create the intention of the space what am I going into this meditative state for? What do I need to go into my solace for? Um, and putting that into your heart and allowing yourself to breathe that intention into your heart space is, that's why the work is transformational. That's yeah. how the work is transformational. That's beautiful. And any yeah. tips or tools that you have for people that are new at meditating? It, I mean, that's a simple, beautiful, powerful tool rubbing your yeah. hands with intention. I think that's that intention it. I in think your that, heart. Here's my tip. Yeah. <laughs> that would be because for me, like it was always, you know, I was always a very high energy person. I still am. I always have been. And to be able to tap into that intention, it just slows me down. It gets me into the current moment. Um, because so often we can be like overthinking meditation or overthinking breath work or whatever healing modality. But with meditation, it really is about the intention. And so to just be able to simply know, it, it also allows you to rewire yourself to once you feel yourself rubbing those hands together, you automatically become in tune. Once you do it enough, you're like, oh, all right, we're going into that space. And you can, um, I mean, psh, 21 days to form a habit is all it takes. So if you just want to try it for 21 days of allowing yourself to bring that intention in and breathe and feel your breath, it's, it can change your life. <laughs> would you, I feel like we talk about intention a lot, but would you share some intention like uses that you have, mm -hmm. like just to give people some ideas if they're unsure how to really that. set intention. I love that. So personally, I set an intention for this podcast to come in calm, collected, 
to come in serving whatever is to be served from this vessel. And As so, did I. <laughs> girl, look. <laughs> I love the connection. I love the connection. And so for me, that looked like before I walked into the library, I was I, I had to leave the house because we're having visitors and there's there's a lot going on. And so with my current mental space, not having as much capacity after sepsis, I had to bring myself to this quiet space. And before I got out of the car, I allowed myself a moment to rub my hands together. And I was saying, I intend for this to be a transformational podcast. Whatever knowledge is shared will reach who it is meant to reach and where it is meant to reach. And just breathing in that intention, imagining the faces, imagining the people who are benefiting as if it has already happened. That is an important thing for me when I'm teaching my clients to hone in on intention, you, in the intention, you're speaking as if it is already done. And that tip is super powerful to be able to like, okay, so I intend to go in and get three clients out of this, this live talk or whatever I'm about to go do. If you put that intention into your space enough and you present yourself confidently enough and powerfully enough and present your knowledge from a space of true wisdom and not out of feeling incompetent of your gifts or in your gifts, it can change the entire outcome. Because I'll tell you personally, from my experience in the hospital, my head doctor, he was this Indian guy, and he let me know after I came to a point of healing, I, I greet your energy before I greet you in the morning when I come, because he was my 4 a.m. doctor. He would always come in early. And so he, that alone, I broke down in tears when he told me, because for someone to do the same for me as I would do for them is amazing. If we can all just greet our energy and someone else's energy as opposed to their nasty words, as opposed to a nasty action. If we greet them and their energy, we can kind of go the intention. And it helps us to set our intention because we're like, how do I want to carry my energy today? What do I intend for myself today? And it can be simple stuff. Intentions don't have to be big. That's another thing I think we overthink like meditation. Yeah. Thank you. Speaking about it, meditation, what kind of meditation would you like to lead us in, in our next episode? Oh, it's funny. I didn't really plan one because I was going to go off of what, whatever unfolded. And I think just guiding us to a place of peace, guiding us to that quiet space that we desire when things get hectic. I'm so excited to hear it um, and to do the meditation as you guide it. And um, we will have all your information on how to find you in the show notes. But for those of us who are more um, audible, verbal learners, do you want to share any of your you already mentioned Mama Bird Gray on Instagram. Do you have any other handles you'd like to share? Website. 
So it is Mama Bird Gray on all platforms. <laughs> um, Mama Bird Gray would be the handle for my YouTube, for my IG, for really anything that that you need. <laughs> awesome. And then people yeah. can DM you through there and they can also find your link tree through those. Yes. But we'll also have them available in the podcast notes. Awesome. Yeah, thank so you so much for having this conversation. It was so unexpected, the places we went, and I really appreciate yeah. all that you shared. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm yeah. so grateful for this opportunity to share my story as well as some knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'll see you over at the meditation. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We hope you stick around for the meditation on the next episode. If you're interested in wellness coaching through a meditative lens or starting your own meditation practice with accountability, check out TheMeditationWard.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at TheMeditationWard and please like, review us, and share with your friends. See you soon.